Welcome to the special edition of the Uptime Wind Energy Podcast, and we are in Roskilde, Denmark, at the Fifth International Symposium on Leading Edge Erosion and Wind Turbine Blades. And I'm here with Nicholas Gardern of Power Curve and Rodolfo Melero of Earthwind. So we have sort of a world perspective here on leading edge erosion. <laughs> we, we have Europe, Brazil, which is a lot of wind energy there. Uh, thank you, Rodolfo, for being here, and I'll try to cover the America as best I can. So this has been a really interesting conference. It's held at DTU, uh, which is, this is their wind energy center. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the, this conference has been organized uh, and it has international flavor to it. We saw presentations from India, Denmark, obviously. Uh, there were some German yep. presentations, Japan, China. Um, US. US, Sandia has been here. So there's a, a, yeah, there's a paper from a, uh, Cornell today. So there's been all sorts of people worried about leading edge erosion, and I think it's a really hot topic. And that's the reason why I came to to see the action here, because there's so much that we don't know. Yep. And I figured, well, if anybody does know, it's a DTU, so it's time to get over there and to find out what's going on. So the, this, whole, this whole podcast is really to discuss what we have seen and heard and try to figure out what the state of the industry is and where it needs to go. And just first impressions, really. Uh, one of my first impressions, I'll just start. One of my first impressions was we have a long way to go. Yes. That we don't know yeah. a lot. Yeah. And I, was, I have been shocked so far. So we're sort of at the end of day two. And day one was pretty intensive on the sort of the mathematical, computational yes. side. Yeah. We don't know a lot. We've had a lot more materials as well today. So I think... It's nice that we have that really cross-disciplinary approach here. So we've got materials, we've got structures, we've got data, we've got metrology, meteorology, aerodynamics. So it is bringing all of these um, expert field together, uh, which I think is really important. But there's also the risk that there's a lot of noise. Right. Because obviously there um, there's kind of issues to be resolved in all of these different fields. And then, you know, it may make it a little bit harder to focus on what really matters, uh, I think. Right. There's a lot of data smoothing that's happening at the minute, from yeah. what I can tell, and different approaches to data smoothing. And I'm not even sure everybody has settled on that. No, and I think we had um, like a, a discussion at the end of the day yesterday, like a, a shouting across the, the lecture theatre kind of discussion yeah. at the end of the sessions. And I think what was clear is there is more of um, a consensus about the AEP losses that we're seeing. Right. I, Which is important. Um, and that's really helpful because I think right. if you start seeing um, big, scary numbers <laughs> like, you know, 15, 20, 25 percent AEP losses. Sure, those might exist in a in a very extreme scenario on True. a very particular type of turbine. But I really want to make the point here that that is not the norm at all. We wouldn't have an industry if turbines were losing 20% AEP every yeah, time they got some erosion. Yeah. So I think that's been a really nice thing for me to see this show that there's a uh, show conference. There's, uh, <laughs> there's been a lot more, yeah, say convergence on small but significant numbers. Uh, 1.5%, 2% AEP losses. That's plenty to worry about. You know, we, we don't need to. No, to, I, I, to, I think that's right is, is because Rodolfo and I were just talking hmm. about that before we were recording here. We saw a presentation that said 25%, right, yep. this morning. And yep. everybody, everybody in the audience is like, no, 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 yep. no, no. They, they can't be. 
Uh, but not, not it does matter where you are in the world, though. Yes, it and, is. And uh, having seen more recent pictures from uh, Central America, India, some places in Brazil, mm -hmm. they have really tough rain environment. What what happens in the United States is not what happens in Brazil. Yeah, totally agree about it. I'll give you a spoiler uh, of the data I'm bringing. Half of Brazilian fleets right now does not have LEP anymore. They have the really? level latency. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that that's the status Brazil has right now. Brazil is a relatively new industry, so the first older wind turbines are reaching 10, 12 years. Sure. So, and now some of those are requiring the maintenance, and the the owners are looking at, and that's what they're seeing. We're seeing very degraded leading edge. That like demands. put your hand through the leading edge kind of degradation. There is that, but that's okay. not uh, that's not common. That's not common. Okay. But. Lack, no more LDN protection, no more top coach, laminate exposed, laminate damage. That that's that's a lot. So it's a structural repair. They're so it's far a structural down. repair already. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. So and we were discussing that before. That that's uh, extra cost. Yep. Besides sure. applying the leading edge, having to do the laminate repair, that's a very extra cost, extra time for the machine stoppage, extra problem for everybody. Yeah. Well, I think that's why we're all so concerned about it. And this is the discussion that was held last night as part of the IEA group, right? What, mm -hmm. what, what, yes. was, what was the name of the IEA group that was uh, So there's the, there's the IEA Task 46, which, is, task 46. which is focusing on the on the leading edge erosion. And then there's also, it's not IEA, but there's a Danish funder project, um, EUDP funder called Leercat, Leading Edge Roughness Categorization. So that is involving... Uh, a lot of OEMs, so we've got Vestas, right. Siemens, Suzlon, right. LM, uh, led by DTU and PowerCurves also. And, and that as well. I, I guess LM is representing GE. We, we don't I mean, leave in, them out. In, in, in a sense, sense. yes. Right. Okay. Yeah, ex exactly. So Leercat is also feeding in and, and collaborating with the IEA task because there's there's yep. a lot of shared knowledge and, and goals there. But they're going different directions, though. That was my opinion mm. being an electrical engineer and a mm. lightning person, is that the IEA was about trying to create some categories so that in a damage report, they could say it was leading edge erosion too. But it, it, yeah, I think the IEA is being more broad. You know, okay. they're, they're trying to bring in uh, structural repair considerations and a bit more of a, it seems a little more holistic, whereas LEARCAT right. is very much focused on the aerodynamics and the aeroacoustics um, and the impact of different types of damages. So there's, there's no structural focus there, for example. Right. And I think this is this is where I think that program has a lot more to deliver in terms of, of what value it would bring to the industry. Yes. So the, the LEACAT program, from some of the discussions, and the discussions were great yesterday because, uh, and maybe we could throw up some B-roll sure. here to show what, we're, what happened, but... In that program, they're actually taking real damage off of blades, like taking a mold mm -hmm. off of a damaged blade, yep. then creating a leading edge that they're putting onto a, a, a blade in a wind tunnel and actually yes. doing real experiments in the wind tunnel to measure yep. AEP loss, drag, essentially yep. drag to yep. lift, and then acoustic noise to come off different kinds of damage. And that's really important because you know, we were talking just at the start of this um, session about what is what is the AEP loss number? Right. Because you have to have a, a realistic number that people can uh, believe in and trust. Because otherwise, it either gets way too much attention and people get scared, or it doesn't get any attention at all. Right. So you kind of have to find find that balance. Now, I think Leercat should deliver a lot towards that. 
So there's this fantastic wind tunnel here, the Pool of Core uh, wind tunnel, a uh, really big, impressive new facility. Uh, and I was up there yesterday having a look at the first uh, models for the Learcap project that are oh, going wow. into okay. the tunnel. So 3D printed uh, leading edge modules from nice. these laser scans and these molds that have been taken in the field. And then they can carry out these really precise measurements to say what is the lift and drag impact. Because the ultimate result of this is to help uh, wind turbines in the United States and in Brazil, yeah. which have uh, uh, tend to have a, a lot of leading edge damage, probably yes. more than what I've typically seen in Europe. At On least average, probably in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the, the the issue then is computationally, you want to be able to take drone scans. This is what AeroVista yeah. does. This is the power curve AeroVista approach to it was basically taking some scans, some photographs, yeah. and then driving that to an AEP loss number so that yes. you, the operator, can understand. When do I schedule maintenance yeah, you, or do I schedule maintenance? Yeah. You need to know when to make a decision. Yeah, yeah. We know the doing business is a business that has to stand for itself. Yes. So all decisions comes down to downtime, to the cost. And, and yes, a, a reliable model and a reliable uh, prediction of how much you're losing production. Yes. And how much it will cost you to repair. That's, that's just a business case model. So that drives a decision, okay, this month is the correct month to stop the machine, do right. the repair, and go back to the regular production and have the other, another maintenance predicted for X years, X, year, X months. And I, I guess the bigger the turbine is, the more important that is as well. Totally the more important it is for, for many reasons, because the bigger the turbine, the HP speed is increasing. So yes. the... Erosion is increasing. The bigger the turbine, the bigger problems. <laughs> we right. discussed that a and lot. The more, and the more money you lose. And the more money you lose because you're not stopping anymore. A one and a half machine, megawatts machine, you're stopping a four, five, six megawatts machine. So it's much more power you're losing by each minute the turbine stops. Yeah. Offshore mm. multiplies that. And that, that was the, mostly the discussion <laughs> here because Europe is so much offshore and America is just getting started and Brazil is going to be doing the same thing that America is doing here shortly, right? So instead of five, six megawatt machines, we're talking 10, 12, 18 megawatt yep. machines. Yep. Then it really becomes important because the cost to get out to a site to do a leading edge repair is so expensive yeah. that you'd, you'd want to do preventative approaches before yes. you even deploy the blades, in my opinion. And that's not a discussion I, I heard this week, which is odd. Not so much, no. Why? Why? What, 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 am I, what am I missing here? It would seem to me as an, as an OEM that I know that's going to be a problem. I know when I put an 18 megawatt machine out in the water, then I'm going to have leading edge erosion. Now, now I probably ought to put some protection on it just to extend the lifetime. I, mean, I think, uh, again, I, I can't speak for, for every turbine, but from what I've seen, every recent offshore deployment will have some form of LEP. Okay. But of course, I think the technology has moved on a lot in recent years. Yes. From some of the early coatings and tapes to some more advanced now uh, shells, right. soft shells, hard shells, other kinds of, of um, coatings. And that is making a difference, but I've still seen some photos of some pretty shredded blades. Yes, I have um, too. So, again, that comes down to, I think it's in the part of the discussion here, and I want to dive into this a little bit, is it's not just the shell, it's not just the coating. The failure mechanism for leading edge erosion has to do with the assembly of all of it. Yes. Because, and this is my simplistic approach to it, electrical person talking electrical things. It's much like a radio wave passing through different materials. Mm -hmm. There's impedance yep. mismatches. Yep. 
it's boundaries, right? So you're, when you when the rain particle hits this surface, it puts a force or it transmits energy through this material. Yes. And at every boundary, if there's a discontinuity, there's a lot of force to rip it apart, to we, break it apart. We saw some interesting presentation yesterday when we uh, looking at the the hail hail impact on uh, oh, on leading yeah. edges as well, and that that kind of impact damage you get. So offshore, it's just a much more hostile environment. Sure. Right? In terms of the salt, you've got that corrosion. Um, the UV, effect, I think, the, UV, be a, the winds. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it, it's tough, but it also makes it even more important to understand what the loss is. What the losses are, yeah, I think the the, the key, right, it, if you're dealing with an 18 megawatt machine, a 20 megawatt machine, the losses get to be astoundingly big. Yeah. And because of the cost. Even if you're losing a few out, tenths of a percent AEP, that's worth doing something about. Yeah, well, I totally agree. Yeah. So I, I think there's sort of like a multidisciplinary approach to this. One is to understand what the materials are doing. And I haven't heard a lot of discussion about that. Maybe mm -hmm. just because the, the researchers are super smart and they already know when they walk in here, <laughs> I haven't heard the story. I don't, I'm not catching it, but it seems like the material has a lot to do with it. The application has a lot to do with it. The the laminate in which it's being applied on, the thicknesses of which it's being applied, the temperatures, the humidities, all those things play into whether that coating or that shell or whatever it is has a long lifetime. Yeah. And are we controlling those variables? And is is the word that the researchers are writing down and and is in sort of technical terms is that being translated to to the engineers and the and the mechanical people on the floor who are actually doing the work? Well, I, I always like to give the, the not example, but a fact. Every blade, two thirds of the blade weight is manually put in by somebody into yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's the couch. Right, that's that true. Roughly one third of the blade weight in resin that goes by infusion process. It's yeah. it's more automated, but all the, to the two thirds, the paint, the fabrics, the core, everything someone puts on his back, go, sits in the molding position, fits correctly. Yes. So we're talking about a 30 ton blade, 20 tons are manually put into that blade. Yeah. So and, then we, product. Yeah. Yeah. and then we discuss how much of the variable on the microns of thickness of coach right. will affect the life. So it's some very complicated things that right now we do with uh, control, but not that level of control. Yeah. Right. So we have very, a, a lot of variables. There. There's a lot of variables in the in the application of coatings. Yeah. And, and the yeah. environments that these turbines sit in. I think that's yeah. also an important Varies. thing here with it. Things like rainfall, average annual rainfall, that will have a, <laughs> this a is role. Brazil. Yeah. But but also that that doesn't tell you the whole story. Like even at, among the turbines on one site, the variability in erosion can oh, be quite dramatic. And yeah. it's because of this uh handcrafted product, this, you know, that we've just been saying, Rodolfo, and the really local microclimates and the individual operation of that turbine. So it's really important that you get out there and you look at the turbines. Well, and the data you provided yesterday uh, was amazing because you looked at, what, 1,500 turbines? Yes. Yeah, yeah. We're, we were really fortunate to, to be able to present that. So we, we did a project uh, last year with um, one of the big U.S. operators, one of the top four U.S. operators, and we looked at a sample of their fleet with yeah over 1,500 wind turbines. There was eight different turbine models. So we have a nice spread of models from different OEMs. Okay. Rotor diameters between about 1,820 meters and ages from two to 15 years. So we have a really nice, Ooh, kind nice of po spread. population. Yeah. 
And what we found was that, firstly, there's there's a lot of damage. <laughs> so so we receive all of the metadata from the drone inspections to say what damage is and where was it found. Right. On those turbines, there was more than 95,000 tagged damages. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, so, 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 so pretty quite much everybody, <laughs> every turbine had some yeah, level. Yeah, exactly. Danny Ellison told me that a long time yeah, ago. Yeah. Uh, he said every turbine has leaning edge erosion, every one of them. Yeah. So that that's um, that's really important because then you can start to look where where is that damage, and kind of unsurprisingly, most of it is towards the tip. Sure. So most of it's in the outer twenty percent of the span because sure. that's where your tip speed's highest, and and you're going to get that erosion starting. But it, there was no, there was not a, when, the, when I got to the summary. I want to get to this point. Mm. It wasn't like a particular OEM had a particular problem. No, everybody no, no. had basically no. had the same problem, and even turbines that were next to one another at the same wind farm had a, a different that, result. That was super interesting. So what we're finding is by actually looking at the real inspection data, and then coupling it to a model of that turbine. So I mean, we we won't go into detail, but basically we built a very nice aero model from a laser yep. scan, a lot of CFD modeling. So we know exactly how the aerodynamics performs. You could have two turbines next to each other. One loses 2%, the other loses half a percent. Wow. And you need to understand that because you need to be able to prioritize what turbine you go to fix first right. and what to do with it. Right, otherwise you're just wasting money. Exactly. On average, over that fleet, that 1,500 sample, the average AEP loss we found was around half percent. So wow. not dramatic, okay. but enough. But the spread was some turbines losing nothing, some losing over 2.5%. Okay, now so this, really, this, the spread is large, and yeah. some of it's quite dramatic. So it, there is an inconsistency, I think. If if I were making a product, I would like to see them all the road roughly the same, mm. and that's not what's happening today. No, no. And is that coupled to some of the the more materials based discussions we've heard about today, which is are focused around the, the mechanism in which leading edge erosion happens, that we're just not paying that much attention to it. What what is driving that, or is it because when I get out in the field, and you know different lifts and different handling techniques, and this blade set out in the field before we put it up? I mean, I'm, it, in, I'm interested particularly to hear, to hear your thoughts on this, Rudolph. So I know you spent a lot of time in in factories exactly. over the years, but I mean, cost. I want to say cost. <laughs> you know, there's such a huge drive for cost out in the industry. That's uh, going to affect your solutions, your leading edge protection solutions, finish quality. For sure, for sure. I have heard that men are more than once regarding what which solution the, the OEMs decide to put on the blades, and cost okay. is a driver for that too. Sure. Then, uh, but I think the biggest cause for all this variation is the nature of the business itself. As I said, mm -hmm. we have too many manual labor operation. Mm -hmm. the, yeah. the, I don't know if you guys know, but right now I would say. I dare to say that most, if not all, of the blade leading edge is applied by roller. Yeah, okay. yeah that's my impression. Yeah, and, and, and I have also, I think it's almost it's a, a, a nice work to apply 15, 20 meters of leading edge and assure it have <laughs> the 0 0.1, 0 0.2 yeah. millimeters thickness uh, without variation. Yeah. yeah. So there are there are variations, there are measurements for sure, but. You, you don't measure, uh, you don't do, do the wet measurements every 200 millimeters. Right. So you have variation in this, this region, and that variation is blade by blade. Yeah. And so I think each blade is a, is a, a part, it is an, a, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. It is not work. Yes. Yeah. yeah but passion right. it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, you do cost is obviously really important because, you know, the reason that we're able to have such an international symposium today is because the industry has been really successful in recent years at driving down cost, increasing yes. deployment. I mean, wind energy is so uh so so big now. And even for yeah. someone who's been in the industry for a few years, that was kind of hard to imagine 10, 15 years ago. True. So cost is important, but I think now we're getting these huge turbines producing so much energy, you can't afford any kind of downtime. You know, I, I've heard stories of blades on offshore wind farms being brought back to shore for leading edge repairs because the erosion wow. is so bad. I mean, imagine the cost of doing that. That's insane. And I think you're not going to want to go for your super robust, super high cost LEP solution on all turbines. No. But for ones that are going to be in these extreme offshore environments, you you probably do. Yeah. I, I haven't even heard discussions about what the OEMs are offering, if anything. Mm. And I know there's some big operators here. There and I, I thought they would be asking very uh, direct questions. We use X. What if we change to Y? Yeah. Question. There's a lot of there's a lot of products out there yeah. at the moment, and there seems to be a new LEP product uh, quite often. I would say yeah. at the moment, and there's again that's why real uh, trustworthy numbers come into it in terms of losses because they're all over the place. LEP changes aerodynamics, right? Right. But I do think that maybe sometimes operators and OEMs get a little bit too hung up on a few tenths of a percent. Right. So yeah. they say, okay, well, compared to my polished wind tunnel model, if I put this LEP on, the aerodynamics is a bit worse. And I can measure it. And sure, sure you, you can, can and you, you should care about the small things. But if it stops the erosion happening, that's the bigger thing to worry about. Maybe. And I think the business case up to now, the, the driver for the cost reduction in the industry was wrong. Mm. The OEMs always think about the machine price. Mm. True. And it that's must true. be seen the lifelong operation of the machine price. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that's cost that's, is important. And it was less important on the older turbines sure. because they were more robust. Yeah. They, sure. they, they, they have less problems for many reasons, even though they have a lot of problems. Yeah. <laughs> but we are, we are reaching something that's strange because everything improved. The quality improved of the production, the quality of materials, our knowledge improved, but yeah. you're having more problems. And I think that the, the, this, this case of the leading edge is a, a, a possible improvement to, for sure, investing in applying the, the uh, better, a stronger leading edge in the factory is 10, 100 times less expensive than applying yeah. in the field. Yeah. And that, that's, that I think that message is getting heard more and more is it's better to get it out of the factory yes. correct than have to do it secondarily. But, you know, the United States where we have 77 thousand wind turbines mm. running currently something like that there's mm. a couple hundred thousand blades that yeah, there's a lot to probably do. Need, right there's a, at, at some point right you can do so only so much mm. in the factory the vast majority of the problem in brazil united states even europe is you're going to have to deal with what's out there right now because you need yeah. to extend the lifetime i know the the weird mm. the weird thing for me sitting in there is they're talking about 25 year lifespans on turbines here and yeah. i'm thinking 10 years and it's over in the United States. They're going to repower this yeah, thing and it doesn't yeah, matter. Again, and the model yeah, is totally different. That is very different. I mean, I think if you look at lots of European countries, particularly Germany, they do run the turbines a long time. They do. And there's a That's... lot of folks on life extension and, and really squeezing everything out. 
But I agree, all the customers we work with in the US, it's this perpetual conversation about when we're going to repower, when we're going to repower. And they do consider a much shorter time horizon, I think. And and that shorter time span in the US, my thought is, and it's sort of on the same wavelength as Rodolfo, is put a better LEP on Mm. out of the factory if you can, if you can't. Most likely they're not going to buy that. Right, that the, the operators typically don't do that. All right, so you got two years of warranty. You got two years of warranty, and then you own it. Yeah. And the leading edge protection may not be included in the warranty. Depends. Most, if it's normal wear out, it's not in. The it's not in there. Yeah. All right. So the model then, in my mind, is if I have a ten-year lifespan, and I'm thinking U.S. right now, at year three or four, I'm going to have leading edge erosion. Now, it won't be bad enough that I have to go and do a bunch of structural repairs. No. But what I will do was I would get a robot out there or something and get that leading edge repaired and oh. at the same time put VGs on. Check, check if the business case is there, right? Again, that well, it comes I think it is. to the simulation. You know, I think the business case has to be proven by simulation, right? That, that yes. you have to go look at the model. The model in my head is based upon what, Nicholas, you have told me. Yeah. So I'm yeah. running the calculation up <laughs> yeah. here. But Yes, I think if you if you use something like an AeroVista to do the calculation, yep. I think what you'll find is you put it on a year three or four. You're trying to get to year ten, right? So you're trying to make this blade not touch it for about six years, maybe seven. Yes. The way to do that is to put on a better LEP product, mm-hmm. put on VG, so at that last year nine and yeah. ten, yeah. it makes you power. Yeah, just missing one leak, which is also a driver for the the industry. Inspection. Inspection. <laughs> yes. So yes, that, yes. That, that's, that's what's missing that's in this case. That's yeah. true. Because yeah. I think that's the point. I, think I have voice when I come to, to this uh, conference. I have two questions I, I try to, to see if we're moving to, to answer. First one is how much we lost yeah. with the, the erosions and how yeah. we can prove that and then put a stone on top of that because we totally agree. Yeah. We're all on the same boat, the same boat <laughs> that we have lost. But yes, we when we still see numbers from half to twenty-five, we, we don't confusing. have a big alignment. And the second question is, how much time did my LEP last? Yes. Yes. So those are the two questions. And mm-hmm. right now, the best thing we have is the simulations, mm-hmm. the, the yeah. simulations which which show reasonable results. Yeah. Yeah. And to how long it lasts is inspection. So you inspect, yeah. and with inspections, you see the evolution sure. of the problem, and then. You predict okay, so with this level of the of uh, uh, damages, I'm lost, I'm losing this amount of production, mm-hmm. and then you see when the the curve of the cost of repair yes. intersects with the cost, and you decide that's that's the sweet yeah. spot. So here's the maintenance. Here's here's the trouble, Rodolfo, with that approach, and so that approach is using lightning protection all the time. Like they they want to go do some a five year experiment on to see if this works or not. The problem is the industry is growing so fast. In Brazil, the industry is growing faster than it is in the United States. It's going to explode. The amount of money going into Brazil to build wind turbines is insane at the moment, which is great for Brazil. But if you start making yourself several thousand turbines, say it's a thousand turbines a year, Mm. 2,000 turbines a year, 5,000 turbines a year, and you miss, (laughs) you have a huge problem. And then you're right. Then the inspections become the number one priority to go out there and inspect, inspect, inspect. You should be doing inspection automatically. Yes. But what's happening is they're doing an inspection plus an inspection plus an inspection because they have so much 
degradation. They can't keep up with it. And they're trying to put a curve. Engineers are in the in the front office back there. We're in the back office, sitting there going, okay, this is year three. I have this much erosion. Next year, I'm going to have twice as much. But yeah, go, as Rodolfo, go, yep. go and look at it. Exactly. Go and look at you're it. Gonna, you have to go look at it. I think that's going to be the key. I, I do think if you're not going to go buy the some better LEP system, mm -hmm. the robots are pretty good. Now, Rodolfo... <laughs> I went to Lafayette. I watched this thing go on. The robot installation is pretty controlled, way better than I think this was happening in the factory. Am I wrong about that? Uh, uh, no, I'm, I was in both of you. I have visited Ironis too. I have seen the robots. I have seen Hikobotis robots. I think it's unavoidable that you have robots doing that. And I so agree. it's unquestionable that a, a process done by robots, yeah. as any process done by a machine, it yep. has. Less variation and it's going to give you a great yeah. result. I totally agree. I just want to join that with the best material. And we have customers in Brazil right now that they are doing exactly this discussion. I am going to do a big linear protection campaign. Yeah. What material do I put? <laughs> and, and they're trying. They're, they're okay, I'll, I'll put three solutions so I can run for two years, compare, so I see, decide what to do on the rest of my fleet because but they don't, they don't do have it. that. They don't want to do it twice, though. No. no. Right, so that and that system sets up to do it twice, so, and, and that's where this conference, I think, comes in the symposium, and the people here should be able to direct an answer to because a lot of turbines in Brazil in a particular area, sort of northeast Brazil, and so the weather's a certain way. I, we should be able to plug that into a model: yep. northeast Brazil, <laughs> four megawatt, this this OEM, and go. This is the right solution based on all the knowledge that we have. Am, am I crazy? I think that's the only way to do it. That that's the desire. That's what mm -hmm. they want to do. But we are missing this this uh, uh, theoretical answer. Yes. So they are doing practical. Yeah. They are doing all. They're doing, doing all practical. All practical. And, the, and the operators are doing it, which is the worst way to do it because they're they're already cut short because they don't have a lot of time to sit there and monitor it. So it's hard. They wonder the. Um, the late presentations yesterday by um, David Maniachi. Oh, San yes. Sandia. Sandia. Really talking about a lot of the IEA work and the Sandia work, yep. and the Learcat work that's been going on. I think he made a really good point about we have to do more modeling and we have to trust the modeling. Yes. Because when you start going to the field to hunt down a few tenths of a percent, it is nigh on impossible it's to impossible. do that with SCADA data. It is. So SCADA is, is a really valuable tool uh, and can be used lots of, of ways, but you have to understand its limitations. Right. And trying to track, say, leading edge erosion losses of a small magnitude is incredibly challenging. And I think there's maybe been a little too much stock placed in it, rather than saying, well, we know how to model a wind turbine. We've mm -hmm. clearly known that for a very long time yeah. because we have wind turbines. Yeah, we do. So let, let's just extend that, that trust and that confidence to use those models in slightly different ways. Yes. If we can design yeah, a blade yeah. and its aerodynamic characteristics with a model, you can also understand how it degrades with a model as well. But, you, you, Nicholas, you're taking it from the blade designer, which has used a BEM mm -hmm. model, yeah. into a computational model. And I think for a lot of operators who haven't worked with PowerCrit before, they don't realize the power yeah. that sits in that model. Yeah. If you have an actual blade scan, which you do, so you're, not, you're not guessing at what the yeah. shape is. You're actually taking the real model and applying real damage to get a real number out of it, something they couldn't measure with the SCADA system. No, no, exactly. And I think that's there's been a lot of focus on and the Learcat project. So um, the team at DTU, like the Learcat team yeah. at DTU, um, 
Alexander, for example, he made a presentation yesterday looking at the, the, the CFD results, these really amazing CFD results of modeling the full 3D erosion in CFD yeah. and looking at how the lift and the drag changes, the flow patterns or the buildup of the turbulence. And these tools are, are super powerful. They are. But you've then got to look, how do you plug that into some of the industry standards? Right. Mm -hmm. Because the industry standard is still BEM. It is. Momentum. That's it how is. you certify and turbines. But you... You can't use that to do these flying its own. No, 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 measurements no. and look at leading edge erosion. It, that model will not produce you've, accurate you've, you've got to supplement it with the higher order models. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like lots of things, each tool has its place. So, you know, to me, the job of of the engineer is to bring all the tools at your disposal together, understand the limitations and the benefits, right, and then fuse them to get the best answer. Where can people go to see about LeaCat? Where, where, where would you go um, on the web? So there's a there's a LinkedIn page for LeaCat. There's there also go. a project site on the DT website. So if you just search for LeaCat on LinkedIn, that's probably a good okay. A good it's important for it. operators and engineers involved in Blades to get to that site to, to see what's going on, understand what the state of the industry is, because there are some powerful tools. We can argue about what LEP solution we want to put on. <laughs> yeah. However, we, we shouldn't be arguing about what the losses are and what turbines to go fix. I think mm -hmm. that should be done, and in my opinion, should be thrown on VGs while you're at it because I think it makes the lifetime longer. <laughs> well, so, but it, It's a really good point, and actually to throw a little bit of a curve, but we're talking a lot about leading-edge uh, erosion. You know, that's, that's the seminar uh, here. But what about contamination? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. so contamination, Bugs. the kind of anti-erosion, you're building up the surface. Yeah, you make but aerodynamically, it's kind of the same thing in lots of ways. It's, it's losing your lift. It's increasing it's drag. It's the same problem. Yeah. Right. And we used to get pictures from Brazil can be pretty dirty at times. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma, Texas can yeah. be, the blades can be pretty dirty depending on the time of year until it rains. Basically, yeah. India can have the same issue. The nice thing is that, you know, a lot of the, a the techniques and things that we're talking about for erosion, they, they can be transferred to, to think sure. about contamination. The only real issue is that I see is um, you can't put leading edge protection on to solve contamination. No. Because no. it's building up on the surface. Okay, maybe we could talk about really hydrophobic coatings and all these kind of things. But in general, you can say <laughs> leading edge protection doesn't stop contamination. Don't get me started on hydrophobic coatings <laughs> because I think we're having all kinds of discussion about that, but you're right, right? Yeah. Uh, this, this is, this is, it's wintertime, it's February right now, right? Yeah. We're, we're in we're in Denmark, it's snowing today, of course. Every yes. place I go, it snows. <laughs> when I went to Lafayette, it snowed. Uh, but those coatings, when you started adding any coating to a blade, ice phobic coating, hydrophobic coatings, uh, leading edge erosion is a different animal. And I think you change the properties. Based on what I saw here today, yep. you're going to change the properties of leading edge erosion. Yes. Yeah, exactly. They are, they are, they are linked. And um, contamination is, is a difficult one to deal with. It's yeah. also super localized. We see some blades, particularly up in like Norway, Sweden, five, six years old, they look perfect. They're looking Isn't really that insane? Nice it's it's yeah. true. Yeah. But other blades, they've got proper crusts on the, yes. on the leading edge. But that's, you know, you're mentioning VGs. That is where VGs can really come in. Yes. And you see mm -hmm. quite a few turbines out there with VGs towards the tip. And their main purpose mm -hmm. is to give robustness to the power curve. Right. Because when you have contamination or erosion, it damages the aerodynamic performance. It's harming that boundary layer over the surface. Yes. And the VG is there to re-energize the flow 
and recover the lift that's being lost. So a VG doesn't care if, if it's erosion or contamination, it will still recover losses. Mm. So again, you know, you do need to think as an operator about LEP, repairs, inspection, but also upgrades, aerodynamic upgrades, because yeah, there's a yeah, lot of things there. you can do. Yeah. But that comes out, interesting question, again, why the OEMs doesn't put that on the factory? I, mean, <laughs> I think that's a really... <laughs> that's a great <laughs> question. I, yeah. I, yeah. Because, uh, one thing that we're talking about today, the maintenance of the region edge. Yeah. If... Or the OEM, when it sells the turbine, it says, oh, you have to consider every four years, repaint the region mm -hmm. edge. Mm -hmm. The operators will just do what the manual says. Yes. yes. I don't think they'll say, oh, I want to do that. I... No, they'll do what the manual says. So if they exactly. sell the turbine with a maintenance plan, yep. mm -hmm. the, uh, the, the owner they will put on his business plans. If he decides to buy the turbine, he just follow the business plan yeah. and that's it. Your point about VGs uh, in the factory is an interesting one. I would say, again, anecdotal. But isn't it cheap because of all the first one that no. the yes, the, more yeah, and more are doing yeah, yeah. that right now, yeah. but towards the cheap, I no, have you, seen no you one. Don't, do. You don't see that so much. I would say um, Siemens, Siemens put on quite a lot. Has done it more recently. Yeah. That's the only one I really have seen. It tends to be as an aftermarket from what I've seen. Yeah. And that's just because I think, um, firstly, the knowledge level has been increasing quite dramatically in recent years okay. because of things like the symposium we're at now. So the knowledge of how a VG can help you has certainly improved. Um, I don't know that it's a cynical thing to say, but I think OEMs really like their service business. They it's make a, a lot of money from so service. numbers and you yeah. they have a separate <laughs> line item for, for service. I think it's given amazing. the choice, they'd maybe prefer to put some parts on as a package they sell separately a few years down the line. Sure, it's a so it's all money. aerodynamically, yeah, as you say, Rodolfo, most new big blades have VGs in the route anyway. Towards the tip, it's a bit uh, different between the OEMs uh, for sure, but um, they they can really help. Yeah, as you said, they, they can help to give robustness. Yes, it's the power because it's not going to increase, but it's going to protect it from the degradation. Yeah, it's recovering loss. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. Minimizing the effects of possible loss. Yes, exactly. Now, the best new product that Rodolfo and I were talking mm. while you were out for a minute, Nicholas, was the best new product we've seen here so far is this company called Helicor. Mm -hmm. I'm yep. going to pronounce, I can't pronounce it because I'm American, <laughs> but it's, it's spelled H E L I C O I D. Helicoid? Helicoid, yeah. We'll yeah. Go for that. All right. So the presentation started off this, uh, we're from Helicoid, we're based in the United States and the UK. Mm. And we're making pickleball boards. Pebbles. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know where this discussion is going to go, but it's going to be interesting. Let's go. So the, it, the, the technology, I'll describe it as a technology. The, te the technology is they're using the um, uh, fiber construction of a, sh was it a shrimp? Like the little critter that yeah, you eat, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so on some of them, they have a, this hammer device that they use to repel crabs because crabs like shrimp, evidently. Yeah. So these, these shrimp have these hammer devices which have this fiber that's mm -hmm. really hard. Now, I guess they can use it to crack the shells of these crabs and, and defend themselves. But when they start looking at this fiber construction, it's really tight. Okay. So there's not a lot of other stuff. It's almost all fiber. And what they realized was if they took unidirectional fiber, instead of going 0, 90, mm -hmm. 0, 90, 45, you go 0, 30, 60, 90, mm -hmm. something like that, mm -hmm. where you have less space. 
okay. less resin yeah. rich areas, that it makes it extremely tough. Okay. And when you rain erosion that material without any coating on it at all, you don't get the punch through. So it's the uni plies and the 090 plies that we put around the leading edges today, if mm. we have them, or just mm. glue join, that we punch through. Mm. So when we saw, when Rodolfo and I saw that, it was like, ah, yeah. here we go. Yeah. So even if the LEP fails, you're probably not going to, it's going to give you a longer time before it eats to the laminate where you have to do a structural repair. So it lends itself to robotics that, okay, I have some, I see the coating is missing, I'm going to call Arones. They're going to be here, you know, in three months. At three months, it's not going to eat through that laminate because it's designed in a different way to to last longer terrain erosion. Rodolfo, is that is that the that, logic that, there? That's the logic, and uh, I think that that's genius because we go back to the same discussion to have time to plan the maintenance on the right time. Yes. So, and that, that's a big difference with discussing that option. Doing the repair for only the paint cost X. Doing the repair for the paints plus the laminates is going to cost between two to three x. Yes. So, so it's, a, it's a, you're just talking about doubling, maybe three times the cost, yeah. the cost and timing of the machine stop mm -hmm. it, and if you have a material or you have a, a construction that can protect you from that, so you have time to right. to do the repair mm -hmm. before you reach this two three times penalty. That's great. The pictures that they were showing was of a standard leading edge design or fiber design, right? And then they applied this material over it as a couple, couple of the leading like two layers couple. of this stuff. It, right? it was uh, they, they did a, a reference sample, like six layers normal material. Oh yes, and the other one four layers normal plus two layers plus, of their material. Exactly. And so it would replace nice some of the structural plies or could, or could be secondarily added because how much of this material would you really need on a on a blade? Some a half a meter wide, maybe? It wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't be necessarily, you're not using millions of dollars of this material. You, I would consider that as a leading edge when you do a leading edge protection. Just, yes, just, just part of the protection same, plan. Same widget of mm -hmm. the paint, so we're talking 200 millimeters, 300 millimeters maximum. Yep. Yeah, you don't, you don't need to cover more than that. Yeah, it, it's, 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 exactly. it's a little amount. It's a little amount. So it's a small amount. It's something that would already fit into the manufacturing process. Uh, whether you could injection, you know, inject resin into it, whether it flow right, and all, all those things have to be worked right. And that's when you have tight fibers like that, it can be a little bit difficult to get the mm -hmm. the resin in between them. But the logic makes sense mm -hmm. that it's it could be a simple addition for an OEM or even in a repair situation. Like if I had a cracked open leading mm -hmm. edge, I could repair this material. So I'm trying to get to my 10-year lifespan in America, I would do it with this material. In fact, I probably wouldn't go fix the LEP at year nine. I would just let it go because I know I got probably a year with this stuff. You can protect. Yeah. Apart from you might be losing lots of AEP. You're going to lose a lot of AEP. <laughs> but at that point, you know, I mean, the way the Americans run their turbines, Nicholas, yeah. you, don't, <laughs> you, you don't want to know. But I do think there is a plan to, to get more power out, right? Yes. And I think overall, it's an overall number. Mm, sure. Uh, and, I mean, it's the, it's, this is a perfect application for composites, right? Which you can put the fibers is. wherever you want them, whatever orientation you can you can do it. So the pickleball solution actually turned into something real. So that that presentation, which didn't start out on the on the best foot, my opinion, all of a sudden at the end, I'm like, holy moly! I think this that's good. Is, so it, is it me, Rodolfo, over here? No, the two guys like looking at one another, like, wow, this is cool. Uh, because I do think that kind of technology can help 
get us, buy us a little more time mm, to get mm. to whatever this magic LEP solution is going to be, which yeah. we don't have today. Well, we had a, there was another presentation yesterday uh, on metallic, oh, the metallic edge research. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously not, not a new concept. No, uh, metallics such. are hard. And they were showing, you know, obviously the upfront cost is, is going to be uh, a lot higher, but lifetime cost should be much lower. So yeah, I mean it is. It's yeah. I think the concept is right, but uh, the the implementation proposals, uh, I think it it lacks something still. Mm. I think it's it's complicated. Yeah. It's, complicated. it's complicated. In a manufacturing, much more complicated the the, the proposal. Yeah. But yes, I think that there's a point. Maybe the as we discussed, maybe we should have some more uh, some focus. So on better materials. On on the different approaches yeah. to really extend the life, really yeah. extend the life, or to to have a, a cost-effective material that gives us this maintenance plan that can be really predictable and affordable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure you you need to go full full metallic leading edge on most onshore sites. It, it probably is overkill. When the the discussion about metal leading edges come up, I thought we are still in a new frontier. We have not <laughs> got to a solution. We haven't arrived at a solution. We're still in the middle of a solution. We're using a solution that was on propellers back in the 1930s. Yeah. That's that's kind of where we're at right now. I'm like, well, right. We're trying everything. Yes. That we should be keep ourselves open to everything. Yeah. And when if it's a composite solution, if it's a leading edge protection coating yeah. or a shell, or maybe it's metal, who knows? Yeah. But we gotta hurry. And it's it's, it's we, a difficult one, hurry. right? Because you don't you don't wanna you don't wanna stimmy innovation, you don't wanna stimmy research. Sure. However, um, we can't pretend that the wind turbine industry is, is a cottage industry anymore. No. The, the no. number of turbines that are being installed means that we do, we do have to, to speed up. We have to speed up. I don't think we can have 10, 15, 20 competing LEP solutions that have vastly different um, properties and, and, uh, and maintenance regimes because there's just too much choice. And then every time uh, an operator wants to decide on a solution, they don't really know what to pick. They then have to yeah. set up their own test campaign because there's not enough data out there. And then I just feel like we just keep going in circles a lot. Um, so yeah, there's, there's that balance, which you have to innovate, you have to try new things, you well, have to open the box, but we also have to have a solution that surely a lot of people agree works. <laughs> so that gets to my point about time frame, And one of the... Uh, sort of pain points for me watching this is I know how painful it is for operators to deal with this and, mm -hmm. and all the tools and resources they're trying to go get. At the same time, the the academic part of this is out to 2025, 2026, which is fine. I, I think that's fine. But we're in 2024. We need solutions now. We got to, we got to, yeah, how, many, how, many, how many gigawatts is going in next year? <laughs> yeah, way more than we even want to think about, honestly, because the consequences of doing, having leading edge erosion problems offshore gets super expensive. In the United States, the, the uh, opposition to, to offshore wind is at fever pitch at the moment. Mm -hmm. If they had to drag back blades to get repaired... <laughs> Uh, next to the New York, Boston, Philadelphia yeah. corridor, that would erupt. And you can't have that. I think you, as an industry, you can't have it. As Maybe as an OEM, you could survive it. But as an operator, I don't know if that would really help your no. case. But, you know, I think that the kind of event we're at now at this, at this symposium, 
it is bringing lots of the right people together. Operators, OEMs, academia, third Very parties, all have to be talking together. Right. Need to share as much knowledge as possible so that people don't have to go and repeat a test all the time uh, because yeah. they want their own data. It's um, true. I mean, it's nice to have your own data, but that data ought to back up what is published. Yes. Right? It's sort of that validation piece. Yeah. Fine, go run the test. Yeah. And we're we're going to go visit the R&D uh, test systems, Rainer Rose facility that are building at DTU, mm -hmm. which is supposedly magnificent. It sounds magnificent. And we're going to go tour that tomorrow. So I'm really interested to see how tight the controls are. Mm -hmm. This is getting back to the, the variability problem. Rain erosion testing, one of the complaints obviously is every rain erosion test facility that's not sort of R&D test systems mm -hmm. rig has, gives you a different result. R&D test systems has narrowed that down quite a bit for sure. Um, Again, the variability is too much, and yeah, that's why mm. uh, an OEM goes out and repeats these tests is because they know, yeah, I I can get a different result. But yeah, it's it's a big time suck that we can't necessarily afford. No, but if I'm if if I'm an OEM today, and I don't have an internal mm -hmm. Rosen mm -hmm. test set, I know where I'm going. Yes, I'm I'm coming to Roskilde. <laughs> I'm going to the I'm going to the DTU Rosen facility because they know what they're doing, and they have the best going to have the best facility in the world. And the consistency of that test should be better than anything else you can get. Mm. And even just talking to some of the people that work there, um, their knowledge of rain erosion and the types of variables that apply in that test was astounding. I've been around rain erosion mm. testing a long time, almost 30 years. So I've seen a lot of it. That is going to be crazy yeah, good. Great, yeah. Great. Yeah. It's fantastic. So uh, Rodolfo Nicholas. This has been fantastic. It's great to see you yeah, like in Denmark. I'd like to see yeah. you someplace where it's warmer. We got to get to Brazil. We got to get to Brazil. Always gets his snow. You're going to the wrong place. You go to Brazil. There's no snow anywhere. Yes. Yeah, we should go to Brazil sometime. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, appreciate you having you on the podcast, and and uh, this has been fantastic. So maybe we'll see you here next year. Absolutely for the sixth. Thanks, Thanks so much. All right. Pleasure.